pain has reached epidemic proportions in America. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. This is Aches and Gains. Dr. Paul Christo is one of America's leading experts on relieving pain. He's board-certified, Harvard-trained, and a pain medicine specialist at Johns Hopkins. U.S. News & World Report ranks him as a top doctor and among the top 1% in the nation for pain management. Becker's Review selected him as one of the 70 best pain management physicians in America. He's listed as a super doctor for the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. Aches and Gains is a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. The human impact is real. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope, and there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who've found relief. We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain. Welcome to the show. More than 70 million Americans suffer from some sort of sleep disturbance. Not only that, but almost 70% of those suffering from pain complain of sleep problems. The relationship is reciprocal. Pain often disrupts sleep, and poor sleep can worsen pain. Whether it's insomnia or sleep apnea or even narcolepsy, we all need healthy sleep to revitalize us. It can be a treasure beyond description. But when pain is the thief robbing us of that treasure, night after night, it's time to seek special medical help. Gwen Herman, executive director of Pain Connection, shares her secrets to better sleep after struggling with chronic pain for 17 years. Then Dr. William Kohler, medical director of the Florida Sleep Institute, provides his expertise on how to restore healthy sleep patterns. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, Endo Pharmaceuticals, Pentec Health, and Boston Scientific. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Christo, especially for upcoming shows, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. That's achesandgains at gmail.com. Gwen Herman is a social worker and the executive director of Pain Connection. Sleep has been a struggle for 17 years following a motor vehicle accident that caused persistent pain. She's here to share the stride she's made in finding a routine that's helped her feel rested. Gwen, welcome to Aches and Gains. Thank you. Tell us about the traumatic event that occurred 17 years ago. I was um, parked at a stop sign, and my two children were in the car with me, and I was just bending over to my right to get my sunglasses when all of a sudden I just felt this huge impact, and I um, blacked out a little bit and uh, came to, you know, just checked the kids and couldn't believe that somebody hit me because I wasn't moving. Within maybe ha um, half an hour to 45 minutes, pain started to radiate um, in my neck, in my shoulders, all the way up to my head. And it was an unbelievable amount of pain that was going on. I um, also felt a little bit out of it, called my husband. He came to pick me up. We went to a you know, medical emergency 24-hour place. They did an x-ray. They told me I had whiplash. They also told me I had a slight concussion and that um, I would be okay in 48 hours. And he gave me a couple of different medicines to take and sent me home. So I was in agony, but I figured, okay, um, I have whiplash. I'm going to take the medicines, and I'm going to pay in 48 hours. Uh -huh. um, I took the medicines, and I broke out knives all over my body uh -huh. from top to bottom. That's awful. 
How was your life impacted? I couldn't drive. I couldn't pick them up. I couldn't cook. I couldn't clean or anything like that. Um, I'm a social worker. I could barely sit to listen to somebody else because the pain was excruciating. My husband had to take off a lot of work, you know, to take me to medical appointments and different tasks and also to take care of the kids. And the pain didn't just end, though, in your neck and your shoulders and in your head, did it? Eventually, it went to myofascial pain and then fibromyalgia. Um, I have TMJ, migraines, and um, also became gluten and um, dairy intolerant because of that, and I have the thyroid problem. Uh, Gwen, how intense does the pain get? Right now I'm doing the best that I have been, but it, it can go to an eight, you know, depending on, you know, what I'm doing that day or just how I wake up after sleeping. In fact, when did the insomnia begin? Uh, right away because uh, I, was, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't lay down. Um, the pain was just so bad, and that was my worst position, and to this day it's my worst position, is lying down. I can't sleep on either side, and I can't sleep on my stomach. I have to sleep on my back. So um, I would um, try to just put an ice pack on my neck and usually cry because I was in such pain. I tried taking all these different medicines, but um, I had reactions to practically every single thing. And that would always set me back. Did the injuries require surgery, and was your sleep improved? Eventually, I had an operation a year later, and um, I had my um, disc, I think it was four or five removed, and I had a hip graft. It did help somewhat, because what happened right before the operation is that I lost um, feelings in both my arms. I couldn't use them. So that came back. Um, It helped a little bit with my headaches, but still I had migraines. And I still wasn't able to turn my neck at all. Gwen, do you have problems getting to sleep or do you have problems staying asleep? Oh, I'm unable to get to sleep because that position and laying down is is the worst thing. It just raises everything. Do you ever find that you wake up due to the pain at night? When I first take my um, medicine that I take at night, I may get maybe four hours where um, I don't remember waking up at all. And then after that, it's, you know, I can't tell you how many times. That's got to be tough. How do you actually put yourself back to sleep once you wake up at night? Well, I know in the back of my mind that if I totally wake up, I I will not get back to sleep at all. So I talk myself back into sleep or I just do guided imagery like meditation. I also am dreaming and when the pain's really bad, then I'm dreaming that something in my body has pain in the dream. So that will wake me up also. So I try to just change the dream also. It's remarkable that you're able to alter your dream in a way that keeps you asleep and takes you away from your pain. When we come back, we'll talk to Gwen about how much sleep she needs to feel rested and in reality, how much she actually gets. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and this is Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, the global leader in medical technology, alleviating pain, restoring health, and extending life for millions of people around the world. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Christo, especially for upcoming shows, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. That's achesandgains at gmail.com. Welcome back. We're speaking with Gwen Herman, Executive Director and Founder of Pain Connection, which is a chronic pain outreach center. Gwen suffers from chronic pain and significant sleep disturbances. Gwen, tell us, how much sleep do you need to feel rested, and how much do you actually get? You know, that's hard to say. Like, if I'm in, I may be in bed for seven to eight hours, but how much sleep? I don't know, maybe like five hours. How do you feel when you actually get enough sleep? You know, I feel more relaxed, and um, my head's clearer. And in fact, what are some of the best treatments that you've used to get yourself to sleep? 
trazodone um, gets me to sleep right away so that I can lay down. You know, I have to take it before, you know, maybe a half an hour, hour before. And then I lay down so I, I know I go to sleep right away. And I also take melatonin right, you know, right before I go to sleep. One other time I was put on doxepin, very high dose, and it was wonderful. And it was the first time in four years that I finally slept. And it was for maybe a year. And to me, it was wonderful, but my husband, it scared the life out of him because he couldn't wake me up at all. He said I was snoring so hard and that it was scaring him, and he could not wake me up. Or if the kids were crying, I, I didn't hear anything. So it was, it was too scary. I had to get off of that. Wow, that, well, that would be very frightening. Gwen, it sounds like your recipe for success is trazodone and melatonin. I mean, how helpful are they? Oh, yeah, and it's, I think it's fantastic. I mean, <laughs> I mean that really helps me a lot. I also use, um, like, gels on my neck, like I use um, Feltaren gel, or I'll try to use Elytoderm patches. Um, I also make my own little potion, which is um, lavender, St. John's wort oil, and aloe vera oil. I put that on my neck, my head. And then I do a lot of guided imagery and meditation before I go to bed to get me into position. But usually if I take the trazodone enough time ahead, then I'm out. So the trazodone and melatonin help you get to sleep, but do they help you stay asleep? No, no, no. I mean, I think probably the trazodone does somewhat a little bit, but not it's not strong enough. Let's delve into some of the complementary and alternative medicine strategies that you use. I'm trying Chinese herbs right now. I'm going to a fantastic doctor. He's from um, China and he works at NIH. What we're trying to do is to, to work on the neck pain is that I'm constipated. So the whole idea is if I can get rid of the constipation, then the neck pain will go down and my headache will go down and then I'm going to be able to sleep better. And um, I take like three level teaspoons in hot water, four ounces of water, twice a day, one in the morning, one in the evening that I drink. And then I take a pill, which the one one pill that I was taking was I think had a lot of rhubarb in it and that worked for a while, but then it stopped working. So now I'm trying this pill that I think has a lot of aloe vera in it. The powder is for the headache and the neck. The pill, which was first the rhubarb and now the aloe vera, is for the constipation. Some of my patients feel that acupuncture is extremely helpful for their pain. Have you used acupuncture for your pain, and also does it help you with your sleep? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I had to go to three different acupunctures before I found the one now, and the one I use now is fantastic. She does Taiwanese acupuncture, which she says... Um, helps people with chronic pain better. And she uses something called the balance method. She doesn't go into the source of my pain, but she works on the outer, you know, meridians, where before the other doctors I went to would put the pins right in the source of pain and that would just flare it up, you know, totally. So she works on the outer sources and then she will put like tacks either in my ears or on my wrists that I could wear for like the next like two days afterwards to prolong the treatment. It's great to know that the acupuncture helps your pain. Uh, Does it actually treat the insomnia? Yeah, it has helped. It has helped. You know, cognitive behavioral therapy, things like guided imagery and relaxation techniques, are often cited as being maybe the most valuable in terms of treating insomnia. Have you tried this? And if so, how effective has it been for you? I mean, it helps me enormously. I mean, I could put myself into a hypnotic state I can um, really visualize something, and as soon as I do that, you know, my pain level drops. And if I should wake up, if I just go into the meditation or if I do the body scan by breathing into different parts of my body, um, just the idea of breathing and I'm getting oxygen into my body helps me relax and I just go back into a sleep. Before we close, what final thoughts would you like to leave with our listeners? That there 
is hope and there are possibilities that um, no matter how bad they're going through something, there, there are techniques, there are things that you can do. It won't be the way it used to be, but it's going to be the sleep that you're able to get right now. The body they had before, you know, has changed. We have to live within the body that we have right now. That's a good way to reframe your life. Where can somebody turn who has insomnia from pain? I know there is the Sleep Foundation. I mean, they can contact us. They can call their doctor for a referral to the local sleep clinic. And the number for Gwen Herman's Pain Connection is 301-231-0008. Gwen, thank you so much for joining us today on Aches and Gains. Oh, thank you for having me. Up next is Dr. William Kohler, Medical Director of the Florida Sleep Institute. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and this is Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Pentech Health, one of the nation's largest pharmacy and nursing companies, dedicated solely to providing in-home care for patients with implanted pumps used for the treatment of severe pain or spasticity. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Dr. William Kohler is the medical director of the Florida Sleep Institute in Spring Hill, Florida. He's also an affiliate assistant professor of neurology at the University of South Florida. With over 44 years of experience, he brings a wealth of insights into this quest for a good night's sleep. Dr. Kohler, welcome to Aches and Gains. Thank you. It's a pleasure being here. First, why is sleep important biologically? Sleep helps us restore both our mental function and our physical function. And over the years, we've learned a great deal more of how precisely that occurs. But it is something that all of us need in order to function at our maximum. And we have ignored it for too many years. We have paid attention to things like physical exercise, etc., and sort of ignored the need for sleep. Assuming that it's there, we get it, then we don't need it. But it's very important. And the more we've researched it, the more we find out the significant medical complications that occur if we do not get the proper quantity and quality of sleep. Yeah, you know, medically, sleep is important in many uh, in many processes like protein synthesis and immune function, energy conservation. And in fact, a lower metabolic rate facilitates the production of antioxidants that are protective. Bill, we've heard time and time again people say, look, if you don't get enough sleep, it's not going to kill you. Well, that uh, actually is a misnomer, even though that uh, rarely it would occur. The complications that occur from lack of sleep can ultimately lead to death. Uh, Usually, sleep loss in humans causes severe irritability and potentially weight gain, which again, eventually could because of the side effects of obesity. Uh, lead to increased death. What other processes are occurring in our body during sleep? Changes that occur chemically in our brain that cause restoration and also interesting things cognitively that there's memory encodation that occurs during sleep, uh, various things like that that we were really not that aware of in the past. That's exciting new research fields that are going on exploring the fantastic things that are occurring during the sleep process. And if those things don't occur, significant consequences to our daily functioning result. Exactly. Uh, Dr. Kohler, how much sleep is recommended in general, and should it be higher in those with pain? Well, that's an excellent question. Each of us are unique in the amount of sleep that we need. And the only way to really tell what is our, our need is to try different hours of sleep for several weeks at a time to see why we function during the day, such as whether we're alert, whether we're nodding off doing tasks, whether we become irritable, and to find out what amount of sleep 
corrects that is very important for each individual. Most of us are sleep deprived. In our 24-7 society, most of us have sleep debt. In fact, there's sort of a joke in the sleep community that the sleep debt nationally is worse than our financial national debt, which, as you know, is quite horrendous. (laughs) What actually is the effect of pain on sleep? Pain makes it more difficult for us to sleep. And there are significant conditions of pain syndromes where our sleep is markedly distorted. And then the lack of sleep itself aggravates pain. So it works both ways. And most patients with pain have insomnia. They have difficulty getting the sleep and staying asleep. Yeah, you know, in fact, sleep disturbances in patients with rheumatoid arthritis or fibromyalgia can actually worsen their painful symptoms. Yes, and there's some studies showing that treatment of the insomnia can actually improve the pain. Speaking about insomnia, you know, it's scary to realize that developing a sleep disorder can have long-term harmful effects on our recovery, uh, can aggravate chronic inflammatory conditions, and even lead to chronic pain conditions. Yes, I feel that's very accurate. Well, the lack of sleep can cause muscle aches and pains, and there's some previous studies on volunteers that depriving them of slow-wave sleep will develop muscle aches and pains similar to fibromyalgia. In fact, uh, those studies on depriving people of slow-wave sleep, which is the deepest level of sleep, showed that people not only develop pain, but their pain threshold was lowered. Really, what was quite fascinating, too, is that they showed that lengthening the short-wave sleep produce greater pain relief than even a large dose of Motrin. When we come back from the break, we'll talk to Dr. Kohler about which part of sleep is often disrupted. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and this is Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Endo Pharmaceuticals, a U.S.-based specialty healthcare solutions company that delivers innovative diagnostics, drugs, devices, and clinical data to meet the needs of patients in areas such as pain, urology, oncology, and endocrinology. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Welcome back. We're speaking with Dr. Kohler, who's a sleep expert and neurologist. Dr. Kohler, talk to us about what part of sleep is often disrupted. Both the slow-wave sleep and the REM sleep. And these are the quality sleep that we need, and they seem to be preferentially disrupted, and we get more lighter stages of sleep with the sleep disruption. Bill, how does pain affect the different stages of sleep? When we go to sleep, we initially go into lighter stage of sleep, N1, then we go to N2, and then we get into N3, which is slow-wave sleep. And about 90 minutes after we go to sleep, we normally cycle into REM sleep, rapid eye movement sleep, which is where the hallucinatory dreaming occurs. Well, anything that disrupts this pain, noise, sleep apnea, whatever that disrupts the sleep will bring us back to wake and then we go back to stage one again so we just we don't get cycled down far enough because that cycling is disrupted. Bill, which pain medicine should we consider using in people with sleep disturbances? That is a, a good question. Pain medications, the narcotics, the opioids will potentially increase the chance for us having central sleep apnea. There are three basic types of apnea. One is central where the signals to breathe aren't there. One is obstructive, which is the most common type that you hear about. And then there's a mixed apnea, which is a combination of the two. So it seems on the one hand that opioids can reduce pain and restore sleep. Yet they can also lead to central sleep apnea, which can lead to more restless sleep and more pain. So, Bill, it seems like the recommendation would be uh, inconclusive in terms of whether to use opioids or not for pain. That's right. There's 
there's no absolute contraindication to that. It's just something that needs to be monitored carefully. I use tricyclic antidepressants quite a bit to help patients with pain and specifically neuropathic pain. A lot of patients tell me that they really help them sleep. What is your recommendation on the use of these drugs like nortriptyline and amitriptyline? As you know, the tricyclics have been used in the past for pain control and to improve sleep both because the effects on the central nervous system can be quite marked and can improve the sleep quality. On the other hand, drugs like amitriptyline or Elevil can reduce REM sleep. REM sleep deprivation, we feel, makes you more sensitive to pain, and yet you're sleeping better with the Elevil. Your pain is improved, and yet your REM sleep is decreased. So we don't really understand all the associations there. How about the anti-epileptics, drugs like Neurontin and Lyrica? They do improve sleep quality in some people. I have some patients who come to me on benzodiazepines, medications like uh, Valium, for example. What is your recommendation on the use of of those medicines for uh, sleep? As you know, the benzodiazepines are not only anxiolytic, but they're also muscle relaxers. They're relaxing, so they can relax the throat muscles and aggravate sleep apnea if it's there. Melatonin, which is produced in the pineal gland, is a natural product, and it's not a hypnotic. Bill, what are your thoughts on the use of melatonin for sleep? It's not something for most people that's going to really put you out, but it does facilitate things to make it easier to get to sleep. There's a recent article about insomnia drugs like Ambien and Restoril being linked to increased mortality and cancer even. Do you think we should avoid these drugs altogether? I would not necessarily say you need to avoid that, but you need to be aware there's a potential downside. And so many of the drug interactions we're not aware of and what they can do long-term. I've actually had patients that were on it that have gotten in the car, ended up at a gas station with their pajamas on, had no idea how they got there. Something called cognitive behavioral therapy should be our first line rather than medication. We can combine that with medication, but studies have shown for long-term correction of insomnia, the cognitive behavioral therapy is significantly better than just medication alone. And that cognitive behavioral therapy really consists of things like relaxation, coping skills, and changing negative thoughts about sleep. Bill, talk to us about the importance of sleep hygiene techniques. We're going to bed at the same time. We're getting up at the same time. We have a wind-down period before we go to sleep. We have dull light in the evening, plenty of bright light in the morning. If we're not asleep within 15 to 20 minutes, we get out of bed. We do something boring, and that happens also when we wake up during the night. If we can't get back to sleep in 15, 20 minutes, we get out of bed, back in bed when we're tired. We utilize the bedroom for sleep and sex if it's positive. When your eye sees the bed, it should be thinking sleep, not war zone. And that will reconstitute a positive feeling for the bedroom. Before they get into bed, write down their concerns on a piece of paper, fold it over, then get into bed. So, so many of them will lie there and think about all these things, can't shut their mind off. So we need to find activities that will allow their mind to be shut off. During the break, Dr. Kohler also mentioned that uh, some of his patients swear by the use of acupuncture and herbals, that massage therapy is good for both relaxation and getting to sleep, and that exercise four to five hours before bedtime facilitates getting to sleep and staying asleep. Also, don't forget to avoid smoking cigarettes and alcohol close to bedtime. Dr. Kohler, thank you for joining us today on Aches and Gains. My pleasure. You have a great day. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, Endo Pharmaceuticals, Pentec Health, 
and Boston Scientific. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. Follow us on Twitter at Dr. Paul Christo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is produced by Tom Blair and Ty Ford. Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Dr. Paul Christo is the executive producer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.